I'm just having all of these flashbacks to 20, all of like the times that all, I basically spent 20, 23, 24, just straight partying. So that's all I can think of. Hello, hello. Happy Wednesday to all. Welcome back to the My 20-somethings podcast. For those of you who are new here, we're Jenna and Sophie. We are two 20-something best friends who started this podcast to create a community of those just figuring this all out. Every other week, we bring you advice, guest mentors, and personal anecdotes so you never have to say, I wish I knew that in my 20s. Today, we are going to talk about a subject that we have touched upon in pretty much every single episode, but have not gotten the chance yet to dive really deep into until now. And because we've always talked openly about our mental health, it honestly surprised us when we realized we've never actually had a direct conversation about it on the podcast. It's something that obviously affects us daily because mental health is health. We say this all the time. We are not mental health experts, nor really experts in any category whatsoever. But we do consider ourselves mental health advocates and constantly work to be open and honest about our personal mental health journeys, hoping to inspire you to do the same. This is why when we met today's guest mentor, Steph Sim, founder of Perfectly Unsure, we knew that she was the perfect person to bring on the show to have this discussion with us. We initially met Steph when she found us over on our Instagram in early September of 2021 at my 20-somethings podcast, shameless plug. And together, we dreamed up an amazing collaboration between my 20-somethings and her brand, Perfectly Unsure. At the time, she was just beginning to launch her merch line company, complete with amazing taglines that inspire young adults to enjoy the journey and not be too hard on themselves to not be too perfect. We're constantly wearing our pieces from her dialogue collection and get endless compliments when we wear them. They've definitely become a few of our favorite clothing pieces in our wardrobes that we just can't put down. Since meeting Steph, we've been endlessly inspired by her entrepreneurial and mental health journey. So we are so excited to have her on the show. So welcome, Steph. Thank you again for joining us. If you're ready, we would love to get you to introduce yourself and share your story with our listeners. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited. This is my first podcast ever. Um, I remember, yeah, I reached out to you guys in September because you had a promo that just came up on my timeline. One of my goals before the end of 2021 was to be on a podcast and I like typed out a whole message. I was really on the fence about sending it. I was like, I don't think I'm like at the point yet where I can be on a podcast. I'm like, I'll just send it, just send it. And I sent it and now I'm here today. So say yes to everything, take the risk because you never know where it will lead. Um, But thank you so much for the intro. It's crazy to me that two months ago, I was trying to do a apparel brand. And within just a few weeks of launching it, I completely scrapped the whole thing and moved on completely. Um, But thus is the journey of entrepreneurship. Uh, One of the reasons why is because it didn't line up with me after I went through the whole process. And that's pretty much the whole basis or part of the basis of Perfectly Unsure. I started it when I was 23 years old. I had finished my degree. I was working a few years into full-time jobs. I had gone through a few of them already. Like things were fine, whatever. But I didn't feel like my life lined up with something. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know if it was me or what I wanted or whatever it was, but something didn't line up. Um, And then the other side is that I've been completely unsure about everything in my entire life. And I thought it made me stupid or lack aspiration or means I'm not going to be successful or something's wrong with me. So it was at that time where those two things came together. I was like, well, I'm completely unsure. I think that's normal and that's perfectly fine. And I I'm going to start going for things now and just saying yes and figuring it out rather than doing nothing. Um, And that's where the name perfectly unsure came in. And it just came to me one day. And, and then I said, yes, I opened an Instagram and a YouTube. And now I am here four years later on this podcast. You can't see it, but Sophie and I are just sitting here beaming (laughs) because this is the story that I think relates to so many people. It especially relates to me. I have had so many situations where I don't feel like I've achieved the milestone stone I need to at this certain point in my life, or I feel like my friends or my peers are way ahead of me. 
And I, it's taken a while and I'm still learning to realize, as you said, that's perfectly okay. And it's okay that I'm unsure and I can be perfectly unsure. Exactly. I know like for me, I have no idea what I want to do with my life. I'm really just like rolling with it. And I said this to my uncle and he was like, he's like late forties. He's like, so I don't even know what I want to do with my life. He's like, some of the most successful people will tell, still tell you, I don't know what I want to do when I grow up. And they're like, mm-hmm. successful and done. So I like, again, I think that that word, like, or that phrase perfectly unsure, it really captures the essence of what most people are going through throughout like their entire lives. Oh, yeah. And the thing is, is there is, um, this seems to be this, like, this backwards approach that I noticed within myself. Um, and I've done some work with students, like university and high school students, um, in a few different jobs. And the approach is, let me figure out what it is first, and then I'll go do it, rather than let me do a whole bunch of stuff to figure out what it is that I want to do. Um, and so, like, you're going to be unsure because you don't know exactly what could happen in your life. And the only way to try to sort out a little bit of certainty or gain some clarity is to just go for it. And if it becomes clear, awesome. And if it doesn't, well, at least you knocked another thing off the list. And you're just in another position that you were before, definitely not backwards, maybe still a bit uncertain about what's going on, but at least you are doing something about it. It's so strange, because I feel like when you're a kid, you're encouraged to try everything. And you're like, especially when you're picking a hobby or anything like that, like what you're interested in, You're just told, try and see what sticks. But the same thing is not applied to growing up and getting older and finding a passion. You're really just supposed to pick one and stick with it. And I think if we all took it more so as, let's figure out what I don't want to do or what I don't like, and maybe that'll lead me to what I want to do. I just think it makes much more sense. It's just so much more linear to me. Yeah, you're right. And And I totally get what you mean by when we're kids, we just, we do things, try it out stuff like that. And then when you become older, it's like, okay, what's the right option? Don't mess it up now. I think that there's definitely a level of risk as you get older where people are like, well, now it's like, which degree am I going to choose? This is the next four years. That's a lot of money I'm going to put in. And, um, and that's true. Or like, if I take this job, what does it mean? Versus if I go and travel the world in my dream, like what does, what's the difference? They're all great options, but there's a lot more risk involved as an adult. But the one thing about that is I think we make the risk a lot bigger than it actually, than it actually is. Um, and that's why there's like this, okay, you have to hit it the first time. And that's just not, that's just not how things work. And then circling back to when you're a kid, when you're trying, how many times as a kid did you try something new and it works the first time? Probably never. Um, and the same thing applies in adulthood with whatever it is. It just seems like we lose that we lose that feeling of we don't want to mess up and we fear messing up. And what does that mean if we compare ourselves to, well, my friend got the promotion and I didn't, or my, my sibling, you know, achieved whatever by 30 and I didn't. So what does that mean for me? And it, it really means nothing. It really doesn't matter at all. But then because of that, we're scared mm-hmm. to take that leap. That's so well said. Oh, absolutely. So you mentioned, you know, you started something and, and totally normal you realize it wasn't aligning with your path. And so you pivoted, which is a very impressive thing that a lot of people are being forced to do right now. Can you tell us a bit about where you've pivoted yourself and what you're doing presently? Yes. Okay. So um, a bit of history is when I was 23 and I started all of this. Um, Perfectly Unsure was just an Instagram account and a vlog for me to create content. That was one thing. The What I had started was uh, I started learning candle making and I had a little small business there. Then within uh, a year and a half, so January, 2020 to April, 2021, I finally launched it. So I was selling my products. And by August of 2021, I shut all of that down because I didn't like being in a product business. I, I didn't, I was making them myself. So it was very small business, but I didn't like the whole actual like I launched now and now it wasn't fun anymore I really liked learning to make the candles and figuring out my branding and what marketing am I going to look like and building the website like that was really fun for me so when it came to like okay well now you just got to run the business I'm like oh I don't like this so it ties into perfectly unsure because it was apparel um, to spread my message and it launched in the same time that I shut down the candle business and I went 
oh, so I'm starting a second product business after I went through an entire product business to realize I don't like that at, at all. Um, I didn't believe in it in terms, like I believe in my messaging and what I want to spread, but in terms of selling it through apparel, it just, I, it just felt like it was never going to work out. And I was like, I'm approaching this. Am I just like uncomfortable with having to learn and I don't know what I'm doing and I'll figure it out. Like this is having a business or do I genuinely not like it? And I mulled it over for a few weeks. Um, and I was like, yeah, I don't like this. I do not like this. So let's just cut it short now and just completely stop. Um, and for a second, for a brief moment, I felt like I had failed, but I decided that that thought is a waste of my energy. And it was just another check on the list. Uh, many of my friends are entrepreneurs. One of my friends coaches entrepreneurs. And he said, nine out of 10 businesses fail. And I was like, well, if I'm an entrepreneur, this is my second or third business that's failing. So I am just running through the list to success. Um, and so what I did was I took Perfectly Insured and I was like, well, I want to start just advocating for personal growth, self-development until I find my niche and exactly where I'll take this. Then I don't know how I ended up in the next section, but now I'm becoming a youth motivational speaker. <laughs> so all of the same messaging from Perfectly Unsure applies, um, specifically the taglines like, who do you want to be when you grow up? Um, there's another one that uh, was going to probably come out in some products if I had continued with that, which is whose life are you living, which is questioning if you're actions, if your beliefs, if your desires, your dreams and goals, are they yours or are you carrying out someone else's expectations of you? And the last one is anything but nothing, which is the only way you stay stagnant or fall behind is if you do nothing. So do anything and you're guaranteed to move forward. Um, the reason why I chose that is because one of my bucket list goals is to be a keynote speaker. I was like, I don't know for what, where, when, how, who's going to ask me, but I will be a keynote speaker on a stage one day in front of hundreds of people to start. So, um, and I actually love public speaking. Content creation for me is something where it was a nice vehicle to access an audience and get my message out there through um, like verbal communication on camera speaking. But I was like, I, I like being in front of an audience. Like I thrive. So what am I doing? Like everything's lining up. Like, why don't I just become a speaker? I don't have to wait for someone to ask me one day. I'll just become a speaker. I'll use this to spread my message. And the, the thing that I learned from it is like, I never should have been in a product business because I am it. It is me. It has to come from me. That's where I thrive. So a lot of things lined up for me to be where I am right now. And to be honest, I think this is the first time in my life that I've felt really sure about something. Ironically, I felt really sure about it. I so just want to congratulate you because that is huge. And I want to bottle up your attitude so that like I can take a little bit when I need it. Honestly, like I, I hope you take this in the best way possible. Steph, I don't think you're normal because I have to say being normal, like, like everyone out there you know, gets thrown off by failure and says, oh, you know, my goals are too far. But you have this attitude where you can just say, I can achieve it because why not? And failure is not going to stop me. And I just, I guess I want to know, like, how do you do that? And like, do you, do you learn that from someone? Is that just the way you're wired? Like, why are you the oh, way you are? It's hilarious. Okay. So if you could talk to some of my closest friends in the last three months, they would like they would definitely agree with you, but they would also be like, yeah, but Steph, not. Steph has her hard times. We were there. Like we saw it. We answered the phone calls. Like, you know, it's not always, it doesn't always feel good. For me, I get bored. Like I get really bored. I can't sit still. Uh, it might be a mix of maybe like being anxious, but also being really curious. So um like I never like I I all through the last few years when I was trying this trying that pivoting exiting starting something else it didn't uh I didn't question it a lot because I just was acting on the fact that I'm I'm always interested in doing something uh so for me if I'm like 
uh, not if it's like one night, but if it's like several nights, weeks in a row where I'm just like on Netflix or like scrolling my phone for hours on end for many days or something, it's like something's wrong. Um, because I don't stay entertained by TV or movies or videos for, for a very long time. But, uh, so for me, I just, I just get bored and I always have to do something. Um, and then when it comes to the failing aspect, one thing that I'll say is five years ago, this was not me. Absolutely not. Five years ago and before it was not me. My first time actually trying to do anything was when I tried to do a handmade jewelry business which I got as far as registering a business name, Googling how to start one. And then I stopped because I got scared. I didn't know what to do. I'd never been here before. I was absolutely terrified. One thing that sets it apart in the last few years is I, for a brief amount of time, worked administration in a startup um, incubator. It was to do with science, so nothing to do with what I'm in, but I was around a lot of different entrepreneurs and all of my friends literally have all either worked in that setting or are entrepreneurs have been or are currently. So I was really just surrounded by that type of person and without realizing it, it just kind of rubbed off onto me combined with the fact that I'm always trying to do something. I can't sit still. I think it just worked out in that way. Um, and I also remind myself when you're like, how do you, you know, fail and then you're, you're doing something again. It's like, well, I, uh, for me, it's, this is centering a lot around entrepreneurship. Um, but for me, anything that I do that's entrepreneurial, uh, I am not in it because I want to like just own a company so I can own something or make money off of it. Every single thing I do is like, this is actually something I really want to do. And the fact that I can make money off of it is like a bonus. So it's motivated by the fact that I want to be someone who runs my own stuff because I want to prove it to myself. I like the challenge. I enjoy doing something new. I enjoy figuring things out, stuff like that. And so it just, I think it just works out in that way. I don't think I could not be doing something. Especially I do work a full-time job, like typical nine to five. And at first I was like, yeah, this is cool. Like I'm making more money than when I was in school working minimum wage. And after two years, I was like, no, this is too cut and dry for me. Like nine to five, Monday to Friday, weekends off. I can't sit still for eight hours. And like, I struggle by Thursday at like 3 p.m. I am tapped out mentally. And like, I still have to come back another day. That's tough. <laughs> so I just also, yeah, I don't want to live that life. I don't think there's anything wrong with it there's a lot of benefits to working nine to five in a really secure job. I experience them now, but in terms of the life that I want, no, I don't want that. And I keep, I just keep going. Cause I have to find something that's going to work with me personally and everything that I want to achieve desire. I want to fulfill for myself. It just stopping because I failed is just not really an option because it takes away from the person that I want to be. Amazing. That's great. <laughs> Amazing. And I love that you're Did I so... answer the question? Yes. I just kept yes. rambling. There's and no more. Way. No. <laughs> no. I, I love hearing bits about your story and like learning more about you. And I know like when we first sat down, we had this amazing conversation about being candid with mental health, which is the basis of perfectly unsure. It, like that's my understanding of it. And um, reducing stigma around the topic and being able to talk about it. So if you do feel comfortable, we have a few questions about how much how you found so much self-confidence and what mental health coping tools you've used to maintain positive mental health for yourself. Uh, the first one that we wanted to ask, I think you've touched on just a little bit, but I'd, I'd love if you feel comfortable going deeper into it. We want to know what was the defining moment in your life that you really felt inspired to share your mental health journey with the world and build a profession around it? So was there like this aha moment that you experienced where you were like, now's the time, there's no other time, there's nothing else I can do, I've got to do this. Yeah, I know what you mean. It, it wasn't a one-time thing. Um, it happened over a span of several months. I didn't, looking back, I can see what was going on for me internally. This is the, this is the thing where people talk about where you're like, you know you're ready for change when you feel this discomfort. Like something doesn't sit right in you um you're kind of curious but you're feeling scared like that was what was going on for me for several months and I didn't know until now I can look back on it 
but over those several months, uh, I just kind of was ruminating a lot. Like, I think I want to start a blog. And that was it. Like, I just, like, yeah, I think I want to start a blog. Like, and I don't know why I thought of it. I've never even read a blog before. So I don't know why that came to me. I've never designed a website. Don't, didn't even know where to build a website, um, stuff like that. Uh, and that was the first thing. And my partner at the time, he was like, okay, well, what are you going to write it about? I was like, I don't know. He's like, well, you need to figure out what you're going to write about to write your blog. And I was like, okay. And so that was just, I think, the first thing that kicked off. And I was like, okay, something's not, I need to do something. I don't know what it is. Blog just happened to be the thing, which I wrote and never published. Um, so, uh, and I don't even think I bought a domain for it. I think I just used like the free automatic one on one of those website builders. And then I just, and then I shut it down. I didn't even pay for it. So I think it's probably long gone, but yeah, that kind of aha moment was over several months. And I didn't have, besides the blog thing, there was no specific thought of like, okay, I think I'm ready to make a change now. Let's go and figure it out. It was a feeling and it just was building inside me. I didn't know what it was, but if you are out there listening and you're like, you have an idea or you don't have one, but something doesn't feel right, you're feeling a little bored and you're kind of looking like you're starting to like kind of look around at the world all of a sudden, like you probably are ready, like you probably are past ready to do something like you're just past ready. And so that was, that was kind of, I guess, the moment that I decided to make a change for myself. You mentioned working in a different field before. So are you like not officially trained in anything to do with what you're working in? Are you self-taught? Yes. So you mean what I do like personally or my job? Both, all the above. Okay. Okay. So in terms of my job, it's funny because I work in a science communication team. So we do science outreach for different communities. Like we run, um, like activities in schools, we run public events, uh, we visit like indigenous communities and engage with uh, traditional knowledge and science. Um, and uh, yeah, a lot of things to do with diversity, inclusivity and in STEM as well. So for that, I work in an administrative role, but I haven't done science since grade 10. And I was like, I don't like science, I don't like this. I went into like the more technical stuff in high school um, and then also like business. So I did a business degree and somehow I ended up in the faculty of science at a university doing science outreach. And, and I, so I would say I'm not trained in my job. Well, okay, I guess I kind of am because it's administration, but I'm now come full circle into a field where I'm like, I'm never going to go into that. And I totally did. And then the other things that I do personally, no, I'm not trained. So everything that I've done, I've done myself. Google, YouTube tutorials, Facebook community groups, don't underestimate it. If you're looking for a community, guaranteed keyword search on Facebook, there's going to be like tons of groups that you can find um, that you can post and get ideas from, get help from. That's how I got a lot through my candle making business, actually learning to make candles. I joined several different groups of candle makers and they helped a lot with troubleshooting how to actually make all that stuff. So no, I'm not formally trained in anything that I do. It's just self-taught. And if you could look back to some of my photos when Perfectly Unsure first started, the quality of my vlogs on YouTube when they first started, um, it's come a long way. I really felt that recently when I made a promotional poster for my latest venture in motivational speaking and I whipped it off in like a few hours on Canva. And I was like, and I knew how to like kind of finesse some of the features a little bit to fix one of this, this photo that I had. And I was like, man, like, thank God I did all of this stuff in the past that never broke even, never made me any money, never went viral or whatever. But all of the skills I learned went dove right into this one poster. And yeah, so. God, if that doesn't teach it. you to just like trust the process and DIY your way to success, I don't know what will. Yeah. Well, I mean, everything's a DIY. Like you, it doesn't feel like it. I think when we're in school, because you know, you're all going the same way to the next grade and you get the review package for the exam at the end of the semester. But everything that you've ever done in your life at one point was brand new. I don't care if you had a teacher, if you had a textbook to guide you, if you had a mentor, or if you, you learned it on your own, 
everything's brand new. And I think that we just forget that as adults, almost like now it's just the difference is now someone's not handing you the roadmap and no one's handing you, you know, the textbook to read about it. No one's handing you the review at the end of the, the semester for the exam to be like, know this. Now you just got to figure it out on your own. Everything we do is new. And so when you're trying something new and you're like, oh my God, I don't know how to like make this poster. Like, well, yeah, of course you don't know how to make a poster. You've never made one before. So make one and you'll figure it out. Like, of course you don't know how to like take photos for Instagram or, or vlog or, you know, start a podcast. Like you've never done it before. So just, just do it. And then you'll start knowing how to do it. And that's how you learn literally. But when you're out of school and no one's handing you that review package or that roadmap or the set of questions to like do the following questions and then you'll know, you got to figure it out on your own. That's, you know, then it's like, oh, I don't know what to do. So I'm just not going to do it. But it's like, well, no one knows how to do it. There's a difference though. Some people will figure it out and some people won't. I feel like once we stop like fearing failure and realizing that failure is inevitable and we can either just accept it and roll with it or, you know, see it as something so scary and so daunting then trying new things won't seem so awful because again, you'll either pass and that's amazing and that's great luck or you'll fail and that's great too. Yeah, exactly. And the, and you know, it's so easy. Like I know there's a lot of people, um, including myself and you just said, oh, like failure is such a great learning experience. Yes, it is. But when you do fail, like obviously it sucks. And you're like, oh, I just failed and I have to, you know, bite the bullet on the money I spent on it or and I have to, you know, reveal to my friends that it didn't work out and maybe they'll make fun of me or I'll be embarrassed but it is honestly true I think um this is perfect because we're talking to people in their young 20s so many people are either still in school or recently out of school I know for a fact for myself that uh like the way our school system is set up how like how we all experience it you get one shot at a test and that's it if you're lucky, your teacher's nice, they'll give you a makeup test, like to try again, or like extra credit. But ultimately, you get one shot on your assignment, you get one shot on your test, you get one shot at the exam, you get one shot at the class, stuff like that. If you fail, you're behind a year. Um, and so it's just kind of set up where it's like, you don't have an option to fail. Because if you fail, it's like catastrophic, like, oh, my God, it's going to ruin my semester grade. And then I won't get into college or university, or I'll have to take a fifth year, and I'll be behind all my friends. And so it's just like this mentality, I think, that we grew up with that kind of system or of um, all or nothing kind of tests and exams. And that is not at all what life is like. And coincidentally, I was listening to a podcast today where all of the different sharks on our, our dragons from Dragon's Den were answering some questions about what is what is included in like a rich mindset and wealth mindset, not just in money, but being rich and wealthy in different aspects of life. Um, and Kevin O'Leary said, if he was to invest in entrepreneur, he tends to not want to invest in brand new entrepreneurs that think they know everything. He wants to actually see that you failed once or twice. You, he said, I want to know that you felt the sting of failure. And it's so true because it, it's like, it, it really is such a big lesson to fail from something um, and not just be like, well, I failed and I learned skills that I'll carry to the next thing, but the failure itself and having to be like, that's fine. I'll figure it out the next time. And I just get back up and keep going either with this or something else that in itself is a lesson. Absolutely. And I, I love that understanding this thing because it is, it's all, we're always learning. There's like never a point in our life where learning stops. It's a continuous journey. Same mental health is a continuous journey. It's the exact same thing. So that was really well said. And I love that quote. Thank you for sharing that. Um, just to like bring up a whole other topic. Um, we were looking at your website stuff and you mentioned social media and using social media as um, a channel to improve mental health. And um, it totally sparked my interest because I think we're the first generation who has grown up with social media in our twenties and like, I don't know if this relates to you, but I'll look on to social media and I'll see a friend just bought some luxury car. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm so not there right now. Or there's so much comparison. You're seeing the best of things. So I know there's been like a lot of work and talk about how social media is deteriorating mental health, but I thought it was really interesting how you saw another side of it. So I just love for you to like share about your journey, yeah. sharing about your <laughs> mental health on social media. Yeah. 
Oh, absolutely. And I, I agree 100%. Social media can be very devastating to mental health. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I've felt it too. Uh, I've actually have felt it recently in the last few weeks. I don't know if you guys noticed, but I haven't been posting on Purple Hand mm-hmm. for like three weeks now. That's because it was deteriorating my mental health and I took a step back. Um, not so much in seeing others, but more so the work that I was putting into it was making me like burn out basically mentally. Um, but yes, I agree that it can be devastating. The thing is though, is that I view mental health or rather social media as a tool. It, it is something that can be used in so many different ways. You don't have to interact with it in a way that is negative you can make it positive. And it's just like if you if you give someone a knife, a knife can be used really badly as a tool. But you, you can also use a knife to like cook with and chop up vegetables and make your dinner. And that's very useful. And that's a good use of that tool. And I see social media in the same way. So I decided to go onto social media because it was a way for me to builds an identity. I'm very visual. So for me to actually have the photos and videos up was a very um, personal tool for myself. Uh, the next thing was it helped to just, I guess it helps with having being productive in the sense that I had an accountability of needing to post on it. So it, it was, yeah, it gave like a bit of productive kind of work aspect to it, like stay on schedule, things like that. Um, and it is honestly surprisingly less intimidating sometimes than a room full of people. And the way that you realize that is that you, you make your first post because I was like, Oh my God, this is so embarrassing. I'm going to post my first video or my first photo. And it's like, I'm going to look too ugly or my video is not good enough. It's so low quality. I, I only had one subscriber on YouTube and I had like 10 followers and everyone I knew, everyone that followed me at the time was, someone I knew personally so like, who's gonna who at this point are you really releasing your stuff out to the whole internet like it's so infinite on there probably no one's gonna see it when you first start so just post it because you get over your fear and you're probably not going to get that backlash that you're fearing you're gonna get because it's just you just don't have the numbers you just don't have the reach on the internet to do it so um that's why I think that it can be really useful but only if you approach it in the right way the next thing is once you start creating things to go on social media, you yourself is interacting in a certain level that it is pre-planned. It isn't necessarily fake, but are my things edited? Yes. Are they curated? Absolutely. Are they as curated and edited? Do I change the shape of my body? Stuff like that? No. But, you know, the video, if I was to post a photo today, I probably took that photo two weeks ago. That's not what I'm doing today. It's fake. It's, it's not accurate to my life right now. So when you are looking at stuff online, it's like, you don't know what is actually going on. Yeah, this person posted a photo of their nice car. So what? Who cares? Like, you don't know what's going on with with what they're really doing. Maybe they can't actually afford what they're doing. Maybe they're posting because they're incredibly insecure. The other thing is you can actually, the positive aspect of that, though, is you can go, okay, well, it doesn't matter if there's negative aspects to that. Let's look at what's possible. Like, I want to achieve that. Like it's possible out there because I can see other people doing it. So, I mean, I can do that. Um, and so you can use it if you reframe it intentionally as a source of motivation or inspiration, see it as a community of people um, rather than uh, seeing it as, oh my God, everyone else's life is so perfect and not mine. Not true. Uh, because as a creator, you'll know that it's not all 100% accurate. And um, yeah, just using it as a way to get over that fear of putting yourself out there. When, when you have like no one on your following, the risk is pretty much not even there versus if you go into a room of even one person, then you're like, oh, oh my God, like, I have to make sure I look okay. And what if I don't say the right thing and all that stuff. And that person's right there. So you get their reactions right there. And then you see like their face kind of like scrunch up a bit. And you're like, oh my God, did I say something weird? Um, and so it can actually be really useful if you approach it in a good way. What I like about your approach is that you're, you're having this balance between you can use social media as a tool for pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, taking risks, being authentic, but then you also can say, you know what, 
this is not helping me right now. I need a break. Like you just said you did. And deciding that you can put boundaries on that and close the door on that. And I think that's really valuable for a lot of people in their 20s and beyond and before, because knowing that social media can be great and yeah, it can have its downside depending on how we use it. But just knowing that it's up to you and you're in the driver's seat and you decide what it's going to do for you at what point in your life. You're absolutely in the driver's seat. I think a lot of people don't realize that. You don't have to go on your phone when you feel bored. Right. Uh, like, just sit there. Like, if you're on the subway, you know how many people I've seen on the subway where I'm like, I'm not looking at their phone, but if I'm standing over top of them, I look down. I see them. Mm-hmm. They're like scrolling on their blank calendar just to look like they're doing something. I'm like, you don't have to be on your phone all the time. Just stand there and do nothing. Look at your reflection. Like, look around the world or something. Um, but we're so, um, and I've been like this too. We're so like, oh, I'm bored or I'm waiting here for something or I don't know what to do. Let me just whoop right to my phone so I can be distracted by something. Um, and that's not, that's not useful at all. Um, it all loops back together. Again. It's fine. It all loops back together because yeah. it goes with that same idea of everyone is trying to look, at least from the outside, like they have their shit together and like everything is perfect. Mm-hmm. And that even goes with when you look on your phone, you don't want to look like you don't know what you're doing or you don't have something to entertain you. And what's once we realize that, you know, you can say I'm bored and that's OK. Or I don't have someone texting me 24 seven and that's OK. Once you have mm-hmm. the confidence to be able to admit that, you know, you're perfectly unsure or perfectly unfinished, the whole world changes and how you interpret everyone around you and, and your actions just become so much more meaningful and purposeful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, you know, when you say that, your actions become more meaningful and purposeful. I think one thing that changed for me is when, um, and oh, now I remember we, we were talking about your being in the driver's seat, mm-hmm. that you are always in the driver's seat. And once you realize that, there's two things that happen. It can go two ways. You're like, oh my God, everything's my fault. Or the other thing is, okay, so I can do whatever I want then on my terms. Um, and and even going back to like one of the first questions, like how do you how did you do it to that? Like even when you fail, you're still going. And I'm like, because I'm 100% in control. Like if I don't do something, then I know that it's my responsibility and I'm doing nothing because it's on me or I can do something because it's on me. And so, yeah, you are in the driver's seat which can be really daunting, but it's also really powerful to be like motivating you. Cause I don't want to sit here and be like, I did nothing for the last 10 years and shoot, like that's all on me because I was in the driver's seat. Right. Yeah. Um, Sophie, I'm going to out you a bit right now. I hope you don't mind. I had a conversation recently with Sophie and she said something and then she asked the typical question that we all ask, which is, is that normal? And she said to me, I have this problem where when things don't go right in my life or things that I'm involved in, I automatically go to thinking it must be my fault and it must be all Mm -hmm. on me. And then she kind of didn't realize that, A, that's not the healthiest way of thinking, but B, maybe it's not all on her. And and I think that kind of goes with your whole idea of when you're in the driver's seat, when you're in control of your life, there is that risk of, yeah, when you make mistakes, it's on you. But I think a lot of people in their 20s are facing that where they feel the weight of their independence and their autonomy. And that can be like really self-deprecating and, and almost like paralyzing where people don't want to take those risks and try those new things and have trial and error, error experiences because they're too scared of failing and knowing that there's nothing else they can blame. Right. Yeah, I see what you mean. And I, I man, I, <laughs> I previously worked in the university and an academic department. And there was always a, like a divide. There was the students that came in for help and they were like, I printed out the forms. I took care of it already. I just need your signature. And then two weeks before the deadline. And then there's the other kids that are like, well, you know, I didn't know. And that's your fault. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how's it my fault? And they're like, well, you, didn't tell me I'm like I don't know who you are <laughs> no, I didn't know I don't know who you are so I can't tell you things um and yeah there's so many young people that are looking for a place to blame and I was there too so I'm not trying to criticize other people and be like oh you're wrong and I'm right like I was there just a few years ago and prior to that like I was like it's because you know, I'm, I was more, I was more um, about it with myself though. I was like, I'm stupid. I'm not cut out for it. I'm not smart enough. I won't be successful, stuff like that. So I blamed myself, 
but I was still passing blame kind of thing. You know what I mean? Where it's passing blame onto like, oh no, it's just, it's just stupidity. No, no. It's just because like, it's just because like I suck. Like it's not because I did anything wrong. It's not because I made a mistake. It's not because I was like, I didn't try to figure it out. It's, it's just because I'm destined for mediocrity and I'm destined for stupidity. And that's just it. like, I'll just blame it on the fact that I was born stupid or something like that, or born uh, uh, incapable of anything more than being average. Um, but yeah, they're looking for someone to pass blame. And that's where you just kind of head into this cycle of like, nothing's ever going to work out for you because you, you don't take the responsibility, but yeah, there's that fine line of, um, not taking the responsibility for your aspects, but not taking the blame for what could be other people's fault. Like, I think there's a lot of cases in our workplaces or in our personal lives, whether it's in our relationships, friendships team members, stuff like that, were like, oh, it was all me. Like, I messed up. Like, I messed up, and that's why the relationship didn't work out. I messed up, and that's why the friendship didn't work out. Yeah, you probably did something. You were, you were there. You contributed, you know, but it's not all on you. It's not all 100% your problem. So there's a co-responsibility for everyone involved to um, take their personal responsibility. And whether it's your own individual problem or, yeah, if it's involving other people, just take responsibility for what is actually your responsibility and not extrapolate it into like, no, plus all this other stuff that's my fault. And now I feel like shit. Yeah. Which is also, it, it takes practice to do that. And it comes with maturity and age and situations like Jenna said, like for context, my new apartment was like infested with mold. And I was like, it was my diffuser. Meanwhile, a pipe had bursted and there was a flood oh, no. in like a crawl space. And I was like, it's my fault. I put on a diffuser and now there's mold infestation. <laughs> we have to move out for a week. Like, so like, oh my God, <laughs> there's like certain, and like, that's like a common occurrence for me. So like, it takes time. And it was like that moment of reflection for me. I was like, okay, not everything is your fault. Like the world doesn't revolve around you. You don't affect everything that happens. And it comes with maturity and growth and practice. And it's the same, like you said, in a workspace, like there, it's a reason, there's a reason it's called a team and everyone contributes to those kind of things. And it happens through like life and relationships and families. It's a, it's again, a lesson to be learned. Mm-hmm. So I think well, you I think said that, that really well. I think with the diffuser, you did a good job because you actually stepped back after you freaked out and you were like, wait a second, like, hold up. Is this even possible? Like, is it even physically possible for a single diffuser to cause as much problem? Like, you took a step back and then you reevaluated and then you realized what was going on. That's the thing. I hate to get super philosophical and I'll try my best not to, but I'm someone, and I speak a lot about this on this platform and elsewhere, that struggles with anxiety And I think one of the most useful lessons I ever learned about it was realizing when you are maximizing a problem and making it bigger than it is and learning to step back and say, whoa, you're, you're, you know, looking way too deeply at this. Let's minimize it back and realize that in the grand scheme of things, it's not that big a deal. And that goes with a lot of things. I think that kind of goes with your idea of trying trial and error things and accepting failure because at the end of the day, you know, what you did that one Monday when you were 19 years old and that you thought would be the end of the world, most likely isn't going to matter. And at the, if it gets you where you need to be, it, that's all it's supposed to do and nothing more than that. So it's really just about realizing we kind of don't matter. And a lot of what we do don't, doesn't matter, which is scary, but it's also really liberating to realize that your choices do have consequences, but they're not really life and death in the end of the day, most of them at least. Yeah. And, and yeah, just, you're right. Just they're not, they're not that big of a deal. They're a big deal to us, but in the grand scheme, they're not that crazy. Like there's crazier things that go on in the world. So, you know, our little minuscule, you know, average person problem, like I mean, what's the worst thing that could really happen right now. And also just like, um, just not trying to, be, that's something I'm learning is not making my problems bigger than they actually are. Um, Cause that's a tough one for me. I do the same thing. I'm like, Oh my gosh, like this crazy thing is going to happen. It's like, that's not going to happen. And I think what I know about myself is that a lot of the problems that we think we have are what if like, they're not even happening. They're the, what if I, what if this happens? What if that happens? It's like, yeah, it, yeah, it could, but it's not happening right now. 
So what are you sitting here worried about? And I say to myself, like, what am I worried about? This isn't even, this literally is not happening. It may never happen. And if it does, it's not that crazy. You'll figure out just like everything else you've ever done in your life. So just, just stay in today's moment in this exact minute as they go by and not think a week or a year or 10 years in advance. Um, something else super useful that your website was able to tell us about you is that you are really interested in and really advocate for journaling as a way of dealing with, coping with, living with your mental health. And I've got to say, I have to admit, I'm very sorry, I've never journaled. Um, and I know that's, that's taboo and that many people say, what are you waiting on? It's the most liberating experience. Uh, but you do on your website release a journaling prompt resource that helps people start with journaling, which I will very much use. Can you tell us a little bit about how journaling has supported your mental health journey and why you believe it's something so useful for people to try? Yes, I will start by saying I tried it many years ago and hated it. I was, I would like frantically write down all of this stuff that was on my mind. And then I never did it ever again. And I, I started again in uh, August. It's um, taken, I, I would just like randomly write things like kind of just like almost like a diary, I guess, of just what's going on in that day. Uh, I've tried different prompts as well, loosely. Um, and it wasn't until the last two weeks that I found a really good routine that I actually like. The same with the things that's on a sticky note here. So first thing I do is I write down um, anxious thoughts versus balanced thoughts. So you write down an anxious thought, like what if I, what if I don't get the job I applied for? And then you write down the balance thought, which is, could be, um, you know, uh, whatever job I should have will happen when it's meant to happen. I showed up to the interview in the best way possible and whatever is meant to be will be kind of thing. I write down 10 things that I'm grateful for. Notice the good. So they kind of cross over each other, but 10, 10 gratitudes are like, it can be as simple as like, I'm thankful that my apartment is really warm and cozy um, because it's super cold outside now. Uh, notice the good could be like, um, I had a really good sleep last night, whatever you want it to be. I, and, then the, and then I have an affirmation statement and then I have things to improve and continue learning. So it has really helped me. Uh, I, like I said, it's only the last two weeks have I suddenly like fallen in line with what I'm doing right now when I write. But that took me from August to the middle of November to figure out and even a failed attempt many years ago. So try it and just try it. It's like, there's no right or wrong. It just is. Um, and so just do it and see what happens. And um, also there's a lot, I don't know if it's because I'm more entering into this space now, personal development, or if it's, if it's been exploding, but I feel like is journaling trendy right now. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, yeah, is it trendy? Okay, it's trendy. so there is tons of information, tons of accounts. Like, you can just Google journal prompts, and you get a bunch. You can Google journal prompts for the evening, journal prompts for gratitude, journal prompts for, um, like, uh, for overcoming failure. Like, and there's just endless information and options for it. So, yeah, just try it and see what happens, and keep at it to see what happens from it. The other thing I'll say is I feel like, okay, this is funny, but I feel like the thoughts in my head, they bounce around in my brain, like that really old DVD thing where it's bouncing around on the screen and it never goes into the corner, <laughs> but there's like a million of them and they're going, they're like bouncing around really fast. <laughs> so when you write, you can only write one word at a time. You can't think all thoughts at the same time. They have to get organized onto the page. Um, and once you start doing that, then you'll see your brain will start to organize too. And one thing I learned from a previous therapist I had was she said, doing a physical activity that uses specifically your hands is incredibly useful for mental health and stability because your brain has to directly focus on what your hands are doing. It can't do anything else. Um, and so it forces your brain to just focus on the exact thought and word and physically 
um, getting it out onto the page. And you can't really, the only way you're going to wander from that is if you stop writing and you look up and then now your brain wanders, like you can feel the difference. So it, yeah, yeah just try it, um, keep at it, experiment with different ones until you find the one that you like. Yeah. And Steph, I, I agree with everything you said. And I wouldn't say that I journal, like I wouldn't like attribute that like habit to myself, but I do have a journal that I use only for journaling. So I have lots of notebooks that I'll pick up and like write a to-do list or like jot down a thought or do an accounting equation and like random stuff. But I have one uh, journal. I don't even remember where I got it. And it's specifically for journaling. And I know like when I start to feel, I, I like to use the term floaty. And I think exactly what you were explaining with the CDs bouncing in your head. I described as like, I'm floaty. Like I don't know how to cope with everything in my head. And I'm like almost going numb because I can't process it. I know when I need to journal. So I don't necessarily do it on like a daily or regular basis, but I have a specific space and like I can intuitively do it. And I always feel better afterwards. So, and it's also nice yeah. to just flip through and I date it, but like, I know when I wrote stuff and it's really cool to like see the evolution of like journaling and everything. So if you're not ready to like sit down and journal and commit to it, cause it is kind of a big commitment. Um, even if just to have like one space where you can like Google those journal prompts and try it out. I found that valuable. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and then our last, well, not our last question. One of our last main questions for you is, um, I know when we first sat down and talked, I recommended a book to you. And I saw that I think you, I know you picked it up. I don't know if you finished it. Yeah, um, I did finish it. You did. So yeah. I want to ask if you've, yeah found your why um like why do you do what you do and like where do you want to go have have you discovered your why I know like it's just such a big endeavor to pursue to figure that out and like final thoughts on that yes okay so I don't know if there's rules on what your why can be because in the book he like um the book for listeners by Simon Sinek start with why he talks about it more in terms of a corporate uh, and company aspect, but the principles mm -hmm. carry over into human beings as well. But he was talking about, he talks about Apple and their why, which I think they, he sums up into like one to two sentences. I'm like, so I, do I only get one to two sentences? I'm like, you know what? I can get as many as I want because this is my why. So <laughs> I can do whatever I want. But the reasons why I do what I do, the main big one, and I think it aligns really well with the reasons why you do your podcast, at least in your catchphrase, which is for me is I don't want anyone to feel the same way that I have or have the same issues that I've had. A lot of them were self-imposed or they were just very inaccurate portrayals of what adult life is like. Um, not maliciously told, as in terms of like a lie to sabotage me, but just things like, oh, what the real world is like. And I'm in the real world. It's not like everything that I was told. So somebody's got to tell people what's up kind of thing. And that's why I do what I do. Um, and that's the reason why I'm doing the youth motivational speaking, starting it with high school students is because I'm like, someone's got to come back and tell them like, you're going to be fine kind of thing. Uh, and I, I think another point is the reason why is like, or maybe, maybe this is more of the how, but it would be that I want to impact as many people as possible, like as many people. And, and so for me, like I'll like jokingly be like, oh, I'm going to be famous. I'm like, but not for vanity, not just because I want people to know me. It's because I want to impact so many people that I will just be known by so many people that being known is going to be part of my life. So that's, I think that that's, that might not be the why though. Would that be the why or the what? Or the that how or the what? Definitely a why to create impact. Yeah. You want to mm -hmm. be impactful. You want that. Like, I think that that's one of like the most ultimate whys I've ever heard. It's mm -hmm. selfless. Yeah. And like what you and said. Yeah. You're right to say that we can relate to that because that's absolutely mm -hmm. why we do what we do because 
not to say that we want to prevent people from failing or anything like that, because as we've said throughout this whole conversation, that's inevitable. It's going to happen. But we never want people to feel like they have nowhere to turn or no one that has been through it before. So even just saying, you know, I get it. That sucks. We've done it. We've had it. But you'll get through it because look at how many other people got through that is kind of like Mm -hmm. why we've assembled a community in the first place. So I definitely get that why. Yeah. I, and you know what, the, the other why for me in, in a personal, well, they're all personal, but mm-hmm. to, is to challenge myself because like I said before, I, I don't, I don't remember if I specifically mentioned it before or I've touched on it, but I was, I would not be doing what I'm doing now just a few years ago. Like, like I said, like I saw, I had no aspirations. I suck. I'm stupid. Not cut out for success. Nope. Don't want to touch anything uncomfortable or risky with a 10 foot pole. And um, yeah, it was back when I had that aha moment that we spoke about before where I was bored, something didn't sit right. I had to do something different. And I was like, I just want to see how far I can go now because I've come far and I didn't even, I wasn't even like ambitiously trying to. So now I'm just like, I have to challenge myself to like, almost like not prove, but to really continue showing myself and that version of me many years ago like, and be like a role model almost to that girl five, seven years ago. Like, no, you can like, just try to do it. Like challenge yourself and see how far you can go. And that's also why I do it. So to impact others, but definitely an impact on myself too. Absolutely. I think that's great. And it's the most balanced why to feed others while feeding yourself. Uh, so for anyone who hasn't listened to a podcast before or who has missed our voices for a while, every episode, we like to do a little game segment. We think it's just a fun spin on you know our topics that we talk about way to make it more interesting and interactive our game segment today i would call a game segment ish because it's just a little mini thing we wanted to incorporate uh so steph i know this is something you've moved and directed your path differently from but at one point in time you were creating apparel and merchandise and we want to challenge you and challenge ourselves to say that if we had to pick one mental health catchphrase slogan whatever it is that accurately describes where we are now with our mental health or where we want to be, what would you want printed on a mug, on a t-shirt, on a billboard for everyone else to know? And you can think about that for a couple seconds. I can let Sophie go. I know she's thought about this a bit. <laughs> I can go. Okay, Great. You want to go first? Okay, no, you, yeah, go. you look like you're like, I don't want to go. I'm like, I'm always the person that's like, I speak, I can go first. Everyone's like, thank God. Like, oh my God, God, we so need you. <laughs> okay, so I have the general words and ideas that I might have to form a sentence out yeah. loud and go back and edit it um, in real time. But I would say something like, the light at the end of the tunnel is guaranteed. All you have to do is go after it. Just get there. That's so good. No, not on the spot. I've, I've told someone it before and it came out of my mouth before. And that's what I would say, because that's, that's what it was for me many years ago. And I was like, really like, you know, I, you know, you could, I was probably like undiagnosed depressed and something was like, I don't know how to fix this. I don't know where to go. I don't know who to talk to. I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but it doesn't have to be like this. And I know that for sure. Like, I know it doesn't have to be like this. So yeah, that light at the end of the tunnel, it's guaranteed. It is a hundred percent guaranteed for you if you just go looking for it. If you just go looking, you're already winning and you're, you, you're on your way. So just go looking for it, even if you can't see it yet. So I want good. the mug. I need the <laughs> mug. <laughs> okay, so okay, back Sophie. to you. Okay, I'll do mine. So I'm not sure this means a lot to me. I'm not sure if I'm sure it'll resonate with someone else. But my entire life, I've had an issue with saying no or declining. Even when I know it's going to be at the detriment of my mental health, I will go the end of the earth to help other people before I go to help myself so I would like I I think I'd say it's okay to say no or just say no but I think it's better on a mug that it's okay to say no and that's like very personal to me but I know so many people who deal with the same thing so if it's gonna hurt you it's okay to say no you don't have to say Mm -hmm. yes all the time so that would be my mug yeah the word no is super liberating I agree I think that's great Um, Okay, my mug. I find that I'm hoping other people relate to this. I am so in my head about my own anxieties, my own mental health that I end up 
not being able to be in the moment and enjoy things. And I think that's why I couldn't tackle journaling the first time around because I just couldn't be where I needed to be. I was already thinking about the things I had to do 10 days from now. Um, so mine would be don't let the thoughts of Monday steal your Sunday. And what I mean by that is don't spend time thinking about all the stuff you have to do in the future. Don't spend time worrying about things you cannot control. Be in the now, enjoy the now, or else you'll miss it. You'll blink and it's gone. I love it. I love that it rhymes. You've been thinking about this. Did you that one I was thinking about. Game? Yeah, you came up with the game and you thought about it ahead of time and you put Sophie and I on. The oh, yeah, I cheated 100%, <laughs> no doubt. That's hilarious. <laughs> I love it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, oh, I, yeah. I totally get the in the moment. That's something I struggle with. And you hear so much, oh, you should trust the process. Like, okay, like we get it. Like, trust right. the process. but how? Like, how do you trust the process? Yeah. What I've noticed is um, to make what you're doing in that moment the end goal. So then rather, rather than being like, we have to film, like if it was your podcast, oh my God, we have to film all of these podcasts, like 10 episodes so that we can, um, so that we can post it in January or something. You're like, like, don't make the end goal posting in January. Just make the end goal today's podcast. And so by the time we finish today, you're going to be like, great. Like I achieved my goal. I it's still have the other one of posting in January, but I have this one too. And it's all stepping me towards that, but I'm not going to wait until, you know, all the way months away to feel any kind of, uh, achievement. I can feel it right now, but you have to remind yourself, like I catch myself going online tomorrow. I have to this, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, my goal right now is to walk the dog that's it. And I'll get inside and be like, great. I just walked the dog. I did it. What's the next thing? I think it's great. That that mindset shift. So that takes us to the end of the episode. And we want to remind you that if you are struggling right now, you are not alone. There are so many resources that you can access if you are going through a challenging time, such as helplines, school or workplace counselors, even talking to your general practitioner, all tools available to help you. We'll be sure to place some of our favorite resources in the description of this episode as well. Please remember that your mental health is just as important as your physical health and should always be just as prioritized. We want to give Steph a huge thank you. If we could hug you in person, we would, but unfortunately we are digital, so a digital hug. Thank you for joining us today and sharing your story and your journey. It takes so much courage to talk about this topic, and we are endlessly grateful that we were able to be in this conversation with us. But before we let you go... We have to ask you our signature question for all of our guest mentors who come up onto the show. So what do you wish you knew before you turned 20, Steph? In one sentence, no. (laughs) Oh my God, before I turned 20. Ah, I'm thinking back to 20 and that was a time. Um, People are not bad people. They're not bad people. They could be really great people. Everyone's got their flaws. Like I'm not saying oh, you're perfect and other people suck. Um, But if it's not like, if you don't feel good about the people around you, even if you have fun, like sometimes it's not not a good idea. Like you really are the average of um, really a lot of things from other people rub off on you. It's it's there. And I can compare myself now to a few years ago. I know 100%. I'm so influenced by the people I've had around me, specifically my friends. So yeah, pay attention to the people who are around you, make adjustments accordingly. Uh, and uh, that doesn't mean if you get an argument with a friend, cut them it, but it means like, think about, okay, think about who you are first, what you want, then pay attention to the people around you, adjust accordingly. It's going to suck if you cut people cause I've done it, but I've done it and it's been a real game changer. Uh, the last thing, when you, if you do do that, when you pay attention to people around you, pay attention to yourself too. It's not just about your goals or whatever. It's also about, hey, if I'm having problems with people, they're an issue, but what about my issues I might be causing? And what is it saying about me? Um, what do I need to do? You know, can we, can we figure out a way to get along? Are we just, you know, do we both got things to improve on that if we do, we can be better friends, better relationship, better coworkers, whatever. But yeah, pay attention to yourself, the people around you, everything going on there. It will, it's a really big deal. Beautifully said. Honestly, also valid. I think that's great. 
we personally can't wait to see where your leadership journey takes you. Your positivity, optimism, and passion for helping others is so infectious and has been such an inspiration for us. Uh, we'll be sure to keep an eye on your brand as it continues to flourish and grow. We know it's going to get there and continue to be amazing because it is already inspiring us every day. All of Stephanie's info will be available in the description. So please, please, please go check her out and show her lots of love online. Thank you again for joining us, Steph. Thank you for having me. This has been awesome. I, I now want to be on more podcasts the rest of my life. Thank Yay! <laughs> <laughs> all right well we hope you enjoyed this episode if you did please make sure to subscribe to our podcast and give us a rating on all major streaming platforms we read every review so it means a lot to us when you guys leave us one follow us on instagram facebook twitter linkedin and find more exclusive content on our website at www.my20somethingspodcast.com we love you all so much and are so so grateful for this community we have online Wishing you another amazing week, sending you strength, love, and good vibes. Bye, guys.